This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Austin here again. Today we will be listening to David Williams chapter 16, All Bag and No Tea. Dad hopped down the hallway in his vest and his pants, attaching his wooden leg as he went. Reverend Judith, he announced cheerfully. What a lovely surprise. How super to see you. What are you standing in the door for? Come in, come in. Thank you, thank you. I like to pop around and see as many parishioners as possible, said Reverend Judith as he followed she followed the pair into the kitchen. A cup of tea, Vicar. Yes, I said. Yes, please. It's very kind. Milk and two sugars. Make our guest a cup of tea, would you, mate? Yes, Dad, replied Frank. Making a cup of tea wasn't an easy task in his household. The kettle had been taken away by the hard-faced men and the family were too poor to afford tea bags or milk. So, Vicar, what can we do this for this fine morning? asked Dad. Well, I'm sure as you know, it's Father's Day on Sunday, and I was planning something real special at the church. One used tea bag was kept on the side of the sink, to be used again and again and again and again. Now it was looking rather pale, as the tea bag was all bag and no tea. And I wondered if you and your son might like to come come up into the front of the church and perform something for the congregation. Congregation. Frank was listening to us as, as he placed a sorry looking tea bag into a chipped handleless mug and filled it with hot water from the tip. What do you mean perform? asked Dad. There's a note of panic in his voice. He hadn't been to a church since he was a child. He thought, and the thought filled him with dread. Could be anything, really. Doing a Bible reading, playing the church organ, singing a duet, performing a modern dance piece, reciting a poem. Frank glanced back at his dad, who had now gone as pale as the tea Frank was making. Well, I'm not much of a poet, replied dad. My auntie Flip is the poet in the family. Splendid! exclaimed the vicar. You can read one of hers. What? Somehow Dad had agreed to something he'd not agreed to. Meanwhile, Frank had added some dried up yogurt that had been splattered on the wall many years ago into the cup of milk. As of the sugar, the boy had forced to brew with a half chewed toffee that had been stuck to the kitchen floor for some time. He popped it in, hoping the lukewarm water would dissolve it. didn't. With some trepidation, Frank had handed the cup of tea, and Dad would got to be called 
to the vic to the vicar, referring to Judith peered down into the horror the boy created. But look, I got bath water left behind by an ogre. She took a sip and her nostrils flared, and her eyes watered, and her face was a shocking shade of green. Somehow, she managed to swallow a mouthful of the full liquid. Frank smiled to himself. He was really enjoying this. More tea with her? Oh, bother. Is that the time? Announced Witherin Jewish, pretending to check her watch, even though she wasn't really long. I must be going, so I'm sorry. I won't be able to finish my delicious tea. I look forward to seeing you both bright and early at the church on Sunday. Breath. Morning with your poem. Dad nodded his head and tried to force a smile. That wouldn't, that just wouldn't come. As the front door closed, Dad looked down in the worst cup of tea that had been made in the history of the world ever. Well done, mate. That cup of tea got rid of her. What about Sunday morning? Asked Frank. You about it? You said that you were going to church and you did a poem. No, I didn't. Well, you never said you weren't going to church to read a poem. Well, no, but no buts. You can't let the vicar down. Because, because, because she's a nice lady. If she's so nice, then why did he, why did you try to poison the old girl with that tea? Jerk dad. Frank was annoyed with his father and didn't want to laugh. But he couldn't help himself. Ha ha. While Cena's son burst into laughter, Dad shouted, Gotcha! I thought those skinny pants of yours would have been enough to frighten her away, said Frank. The man did not look pleased that his underpants, which he'd washed only last month, had been described as skiddy. He sat up to inspect them. Whose pants are you calling? Oh dear. Look, Dad. Let's go to the church on Sunday, just this once. It's Father's Day after all. You can't, you aren't doing anything, are you? Sunday morning? No, 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 no plans. Then I better call Auntie Flip so she can work on a special poem for Father's Day. Yes, I can't wait," replied Dad, in a tone, in a tone that he suggested he'll be more than happy to wait for eternity. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening in to Kids Time with Austin. Bye.
Brendan the merchant was a very rich man, and he lived with his six sons and his six daughters. He was an important man in the town, and he rode through the streets with his head in the air, with his six sons and his six daughters behind him. Nothing troubled him. In his house were six chests full of gold, more money than you could dream of. But this did not last. One day, six thieves broke into his house and stole the six chests and burned his house to the ground. Nobody would help him. Why should they? He had never helped anybody else. Grendon was forced to live as a poor man with his six poor sons and his six poor daughters, who couldn't get used to the idea of being poor. All except the youngest girl, Beauty. Who worried for her father as he was sent out to find food for the family? Get me new clothes," clucked her older sisters. "Get me some ale," said the boys as they pushed their father out into the cold where he stumbled and fell. Beauty went to help him. "Thank you, Beauty, my dear. What can I bring for you?" he said. "Father," said Beauty, "all I need is a rose, a simple rose. I would not trouble you for more." And so off went the old man to market. He could not sell the buttons he'd made nor the baskets he'd weaved, and set off for home again empty-handed. As he walked, a terrible storm broke out, and Grendon got lost. He battled against the wind and the rain, and never knew which way he was heading. But soon, in the darkness, he found a doorway to a palace. Is there anybody home? Called Grendon, entering the great hallway. There was no reply, but he could see before him a banquet fit for a king. Grendon sat and ate alone, wondering who had laid the table before him. He ate his fill and soon found a room where he could sleep. The next morning, the storm had passed, and Grendon rose in search of his host, but nobody was there. He left the castle gate and saw a red rose growing in the gardens. There's the rose for my beauty, he thought, and picked it. Who dares to pick my flowers? Bellowed a ferocious voice behind him. Grendon was shocked to see a beast dressed as a man, an ugly beast standing behind him. I, I was picking it for my young daughter, Beauty. I am sorry. I thought that no one was here," said Grendon. "Then you must send her to me, or you will die," said the beast. "Send her to the castle, and she must, by her own will, choose to live with me." Grendon returned home with a sad heart, but of course, Beauty insisted that she should go to the beast's castle, because it was she who had asked for the rose. Grendon took his daughter back to the castle. And the beast repaid him with all the gold that he could carry. Beauty loved the castle and the gardens, which were so pretty, but she was very lonely. The beast came to see her every evening after dinner, and always asked her the same question: "Do you love me, Beauty?" he would say. "How can I love you, Beast?" she replied. "You are a kind and gentle person, but I can never love you." The beast went silently back to his room, and Beauty felt sad for him. When summer came, Beauty noticed the roses blooming again in the garden, and she wanted so much to see her father, her brothers, and sisters again. And so, 
That evening after dinner when the beast appeared, she had a different answer for him. Do you love me, beauty? said the beast. I will love you forever, beast, if you let me return to my family, she said. I'm so lonely without them. The beast stopped for a moment and thought. I will give you this ring, he said. Wear it for me. I will let you go to your family for six weeks, and then you must return, or I will die without you. Just hold the ring and wish that you are back with me, and you will return. Oh, thank you, beast, she said, running from the castle as fast as she could. She was home in two days, and her family was so happy to see her, especially her father, Grendon, who had grown old and weary. Beauty loved being at home. It was so strange that she'd been away, but she knew that time was short. Six weeks seemed to pass like a day, and soon it was gone. All of her family tried to persuade her not to leave home. Beauty thought that perhaps she would not return to the beast, and she looked at the ring on her finger that he had given her and cried as she fell asleep on her last night at home. The next morning she had decided to stay, which made her family really happy. It breathed new life into her father. But as each extra day slipped by, she felt sadder for the beast. In her dreams, she saw the beast lying in his garden as if he was dead. She had to return. She could not let him die. She said goodbye to her family the next morning, promising to come again when she could. She turned the ring on her finger and said the words, I wish to return to my palace and see my beast again. Suddenly, she was there, in the gardens of the great palace, but the beast was not to be found. That night after dinner, he did not come, and Beauty was really quite afraid for him. When she had eaten, she walked into the gardens to the spot where she had seen him in her dreams, and there in the moonlight was the lifeless body of the beast. Oh, how selfish I am, cried Beauty. I have killed my beast. I am so selfish. Beauty kneeled over the body of the beast and cried. It's all my fault, she said. I'm so sorry. I never knew how much I loved you, beast, until now, when you are gone. You tell me that you love me? Came a deep voice. It was the beast stirred by Beauty's words. Yes, yes, said Beauty. I love you. Then I shall live, said the beast. And with that, a star fell from the night sky and kissed the beast's head. In its light, Beauty could see that the beast was transformed into a handsome prince. Life itself spread around the garden. The old castle, too, had come to life. The beast was a beast no more. And beauty was never sad again.
robbers came. They brought an intelligent elephant, and Nelly was her name. One dark night, she slipped her iron chain, and off she ran to Hindustan and was never seen again. She went with a trumpety trump, 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 trump. Nelly the elephant packed her trunk and trundled back to the jungle. Off she went with a trumpety trump, 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 trump. The head of the herd was calling far, far away. They met one night in their silver light on the road to Mandalay. So Nelly the elephant packed her trunk and said goodbye to the circus. Off she went with a trumpety trump, trump. Night by night, she danced to the circus band. When Nelly was leading the big parade, she looked so proud and grand. No more tricks for Nelly to perform. They taught her how to take a bow, and she took the crowd by storm. <coughs> Nelly the elephant packed her trunk and said goodbye to the circus. Off she went with a trumpety trump, 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 trump. Nelly the elephant packed her trunk and trundled back to the jungle. Off she went with the trumpety trump, 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 trump. The head of the herd was calling far, far away. They met one night in the silver light on the road to Mandalay. So Nelly the elephant packed her trunk and said goodbye to the circus. Off she went with the trumpety trump, 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 trump. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.